Third down and five on the 25. Wilson back to pass. Crosby in his face. Grabs Wilson around the shoulders and swings him down at the 34. Crosby with his second sack of the game. Does a strut. And the Raiders defense gets a stop on third down. Devontae Adams slot right. Matt Collins there as well. First and 10 on the Broncos, 35. Carr, play action again. Looking downfield, lofts it near corner. Adams wide open at the five. He walks in, and the Raiders walk off with a win. Touchdown, Devontae Adams, to win it here in Denver. Congratulations to the Raiders. I don't know how you leave number 17 wide open. If there's anyone you're going to cover, it's going to be Devontae Adams. He's wide open crossing the field, and the Raiders win in a magnificent way. Congratulations. We're back to the Press Box Morning Show with Ed Greeny and Tyler Bischoff. We are at Parkwood Tavern in the district near Green Valley Ranch. Thanks to Finley, Toyota, Mexico, and Poland are scoreless at halftime. Another 45 minutes coming up soon to see if one of those teams can grab a win and move into a tie with Saudi Arabia at the top of their group. Are going to go back to the Raiders, though, because here's I got a question for you. Devontae Adams right now is having a phenomenal season. He had seven more catches for 142 yards and two touchdowns against the Broncos. He has five 100-yard games this year. Doesn't he lead the uh, lead with 10 touchdown catches? Uh, I don't yes. know where Kelsey is. I, Kelsey might have Kelsey Kelsey passed, passed He's got the, the most among receivers Okay, uh, for sure. Are the Raiders wasting a prime Devontae Adams year? Uh, given their record, they sure are. <laughs> given the record, given the fact they're three and seven, he's having that kind of season. Yeah. And so, you know, I asked that question with regards to Devonte Adams, and how long is he going to be this good? He's, well, he's thirty years old right now, so he's not. But he's old. No, he's not old, but he's so good right now. I can't see him dropping precipitously like fast. I just can't see it. So you think he's so good right now. He's If he plays out the life of his contract with the Raiders, you think he's going to be one of the top five receivers yes. in the league that entire yes, time. Yes, I do. So if, if that's the case, then this year, I mean, it matters, but this year it doesn't matter as much in terms of wasting But they Devontae still could Adams. be wasting it. I mean, they, based on their record. They certainly doing. are wasting this year. This season of him. But, like, he's under contract, so – you're going to have them for a couple more years, right? If they're good next year, then they're good next year and he's great. It's just funny that they went and got this big-name wide receiver and they're struggling, especially when you look and see what other teams added the big-name wide receiver in the offseason. The Eagles got A.J. Brown, right. best in the right. NFC. The Dolphins got Tyreek Hill. Tyree they're actually Hill. leading that division right now. Who's they're ahead of the tremendous. Bills. So teams that went and got the big-name wide receiver are mostly good, except for the Raiders. They're not any good at all. And so it's curious if they're wasting it. We've talked a lot about Devontae, or excuse me, Derek Carr and what happens in this offseason. What happens to Devontae Adams if Derek Carr is not the quarterback anymore? I still think, I still think, he's, a terrific, I still think he's a terrific wide receiver. Um, he'd be playing with a rookie quarterback, though, uh, in, all, in all intense purposes. Uh, if Derek Carr is gone, we talked about this at the top of the show, if Derek Carr is gone, I think that they have a good enough pick to where they're getting a quarterback. Because, again, if he's not gone and they win six or seven games, 
you're talking about who's available free agency-wise. And i got to be honest with you, I don't know if there's anyone better than Derek Carr available free agency-wise. Who, uh, who would be available? Unless Lamar Jackson gets out of Baltimore. But they're probably franchise tag him right. if they're they don't get a deal him, done. Yes. But that's really the only one you'd look at that right now would for sure uh, be better than Derek Carr. Obviously, there could be some surprises or there could be somebody available through a trade that would help the Raiders or could be better than Derek Carr. But in free agency, that's not going to happen. I would be curious to hear sort of what what Devontae Adams would think if the Raiders, if Derek Carr is no longer the quarterback, oh, and man. if it's a rookie quarterback. I'd like quarterback. to be at that news conference. Right. Like, and, and Devontae Adams has been pretty open, right? I mean, how many times has he not said what he's been thinking to the media? Right. right? Not he's many. Been, he's not been many. pretty open. So I'd be curious to see what they would do with that, what they would do with Devontae Adams in that scenario. Because if, if I'm Josh Daniels and I decide, all right, we're moving on from Derek Carr and we've got a high enough pick, we're going to draft a quarterback. It's Bryce Jones. Just use him as an example. If I'm Josh McDaniels, the number one thing I want for Bryce Young is Devontae is Adams. Devontae Adams, sure. I, I want that. Like, yeah, look at what Tua's doing yes, with Tyreek Tyree Hill, Hill and Jalen Waddle. Yes, exactly. That's what I want for Bryce Young. Now, the other key I've got to give Bryce Young an offensive line, which I didn't do for Derek Carr this but year. But can't you do that with the <laughs> with the money made available by you Derek Carr's so. contract? You would think so. But on the receiver side, like you want to give Bryce Young Devontae Adams. That's as that's like almost as good as it gets for a rookie quarterback. But walk in and off, I got Devontae Adams yeah. to throw to. But I don't know how thrilled Devontae Adams would be about that, and I don't know how Devontae Adams would feel. Hey, I uh, forced my way out of Green Bay to play with. And now Derek I have Carr, a rookie quarterback. And now Carr's gone. We sucked in year one, and now and I've a got rookie. a rookie. We might suck again. Right. I, that would be a fascinating part there. The other player should Max Crosby be asking for a trade? <laughs> no, I don't think he should be asking for a trade. You Why think not? He should be asking for Why a trade? No. Not. Uh, no, they gave him the extension. He's having a hell of a year. The guy's top ten defensive player in the league. I don't think I'd be asked for a trade. I think he likes where he plays. I think does he? he? I, yeah, don't I these do. people want to win? Uh, I think they believe it's going to be turned around. I don't. I really do. I really do. Someone like him think someone like him thinks it's going to be turned around. I would not ask for a trade this soon. You would. Max. You've got the. You've got car cut. <laughs> you've got Devonte Adams wanting out because it's going to be because Bryce Young's going to be the quarterback. And you want Max Crosby to ask for a trade. Listen, these three guys did not come to the Raiders or sign extensions with the Raiders because they thought they were going to be 3-7 and seven with a rookie quarterback in 2023. They thought they were winning the damn Super Bowl <laughs> this year. That well, is what they the thought. The coach and the GM did. So, okay, I'm going to give you some Max Crosby stats. Over the course of, I believe it was five plays, Max Crosby forced a fumble. Max Crosby blocked, blocked field the field goal, goal, and Max Crosby got a sack of Russell Wilson. Right, over, that was over the course of five plays between the first in the first half and start in the start of the, of the second, second half. half. Max Crosby has nine sacks this season. His yep. teammates have three more. Have combined. It's four now. Is it four? I forgot this Tyler, Tyler Hall. Hall guy. Tyler Hall, who when he this is a true story. Tyler Hall gets the sack, and every writer in that press box said, "Who is that?" <laughs> They had Good. to turn around. I wasn't and say, alone on my no, uh, chair. No, they had to home. turn around and say, "When was he elevated?" Because they assumed he was practice squad, right? right. They assumed he was practice squad, and the and the answer was he was elevated yesterday. 
right now. It, it is right now at three and seven. They have played ten games. Again, Crosby has nine sacks. Incredible. The Raiders leaders behind Crosby is Denzel Perryman, who's only played in seven games. Right, he has one. Yeah. Nate Hobbs has only played in five. He has one. He has one. And Tyler right. Hall has one. Who's played in a single game. Those are your that's tied for second. And then Cleveland Furl and Chandler Jones have a half each. Each have a half. Right. Each have a half. Tyler has more than Chandler Jones. Chandler Jones. Tyler Hall. Tyler a bigger Hall offseason act. I don't yeah. even know when they acquired him. This is that. Oh, he's a nice kid. We talked to him afterwards. Said he made the most of his opportunity. He certainly did. Yes, he did. He should be playing defensive yes, end instead of Chandler Jones. <laughs> so, okay, back to Crosby, though. Max Crosby is unbelievably yes. good. And his teammates suck. <laughs> the other 10 guys on the field, outside of Tyler Hall, giving him credit. The other 10 guys <laughs> on the field. Outside of the guy who just got elevated from the practice. He's played like four snaps. He's got a <laughs> sack on one of them. The other 10 guys, though, wh- what are they doing? Not a single one of them has done something well. Like, uh, well, Jerron Harmon had the pick six. He did. And then he got carted off with cramps? Yeah. He side was, note. Yeah, by, yeah. The, by side note, he was very embarrassed. He said his son was oh, going to have a hard time. Oh, okay. oh no, he was embarrassed. Well, okay. I, okay. No, he was embarrassed. He went down, and I, uh, I think they went to commercial, and I saw people that were at the game tweeting, oh, the cart's coming out for right. Jerron Harmon. Right. And I had not seen a replay of the injury, and I was like, oh. Like, what happened? Like, that sounds right. not good. And then they come back, and he's sitting on the cart, and he's like, looks, you know, fine, right? Didn't, wasn't, it wasn't a head injury or whatever. Wasn't holding anything. There was no trainer on the back with him. And then the Raiders, like 20 minutes later, tweet out Deron Harmon is doubtful to return or is questionable to return with cramps. And I'm like, and wait then, a minute, wait a minute. He got carted off because yeah. he had a cramp? In both legs, and then he came back. He came back and yeah. and he told us afterwards, he goes, I guarantee my son's going to say, Dad, <laughs> you got carted off because of cramps. So he's actually a little embarrassed by the entire thing. Do, do you know how old his son is? No. Okay. I, wa- I wanted to know. I, wa- I, was, I was supposed to ask that. So, okay. I actually feel a little bit bad for him. I feel a little pain for him because have you ever woken up in the middle of the night with a leg cramp? Absolutely. It's a nightmare. It's horrible. I can understand. Because you don't want to stretch your leg out because right. it just kills. I can absolutely understand if he had that in both legs. Yes. Calling for the cart. Yes. But he absolutely deserves it from his son to get made fun of. Absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. NFL player <laughs> with cramps. So, okay, all right. Here's what we got for the Raiders hierarchy. Max Crosby dominant, like one of the like five best defensive players in the league. This Tyler Hall guy has played about four snaps and has a sack. Deron Harmon has a, has a touchdown, but also got carted off because of cramps. Those are your top three defensive players of the year. Nate Hobbs would probably be on there, but he's only played five games. Right. So those are your top three defensive players of the year. Max Crosby should be asking for a trade. I don't know. I the, don't know, man. The guy is Let's... like he's, he's Aaron Donald out here, and his team can't do anything. Let's give it another year with him. Another, he's got to yes. do this again. Yes, he's got. If no, we're, because if we're in week eleven next year, and right. Crosby's got right. nine if of we're the in thirteen, week 11, he's got sacks nine again. of the twelve or nine of thirteen, whatever it is. I'll be on your side of demanding a trade. <laughs> I think it's too early for this. Too early for this talk. We've got Carr gone. We've got Adams pissed off because he's going to play with a rookie quarterback. Now we've got Max Crosby asking for a trade. He should be. And I've got Darren Waller traded for whatever. That's right. You've got yeah, you, yeah. you already traded him. Oh, he would have already been gone. You already traded Absolutely. him. Absolutely. But like, imagine 
Imagine that should be a penalty. Imagine if Max Crosby played with one other competent defensive lineman. Yeah, he'd if, probably be a lot better. If I listen, I'm not going to pretend to know. Top five, I'm not going to pretend to know a lot about protection schemes as like some offensive lineman coach or whatever. But if I was designing my protection scheme playing the Raiders, I am going to have my right tackle and right guard block Max Crosby while my tight end chips him, and then I got the other three guys to go one on one against Chandler Jones and uh, Bilal Nichols or whoever the hell they're putting out there, Jerry Tillery, right? I'm just playing one-on-one with all those guys, Good right? Kick, bro. What am I worried about, Chandler Jones beating somebody? He hasn't done that all season. It's unbelievable. Imagine I, think that's, I think that's what might happen on a lot of plays, though. It, well, there he are, gets double-teamed and chipped yeah, all the time. There are stretches where you're like, ah, Max Crosby hasn't really done anything. And then yeah, you're and like, you look oh. over and there's three guys on him. <laughs> and then you look over and Chandler Jones has a running back that's yes. only blocking him, and he can't do anything <laughs> against it. All right, coming up next, it's Bischoff's Briefs. Bischoff's Briefs. I'm asking you if you know the difference between right and wrong. I discovered at a very early age that if I talk long enough, I could make anything right or wrong. Bischoff's Briefs. So either I'm God or truth is relative. Bischoff's Briefs. And in either case, booyah. Bischoff's Briefs. Mexico and Poland are still scoreless. Poland was awarded a penalty, but Robert Lewandowski's shot was saved by Guillermo Ochoa to keep that game scoreless. We are in the 62nd minute in Qatar. Uh, yesterday, the United States played Wales in their opening game. They drew 1-1, so your group standings right now. England has three after they beat Iran 6-2. USA and Wales each with one point, and Iran with zero. Um, what questions do you have for me? All right, so I was on a plane. Bad timing, but I was on a plane. So bad, to, that is bad timing by yeah, your part. So I had to read a lot about it. Uh, the main takeaway I took from reading and listening was in the second half, the conditioning of the Americans hurt them and their lack of depth hurt them. Was that fair? Is that a fair assessment? Uh, no, I don't think their conditioning was a problem or their lack of depth. They've got more depth than... Wales does. Wales has like nine good players. Uh, I don't know what, what happened in the second half. I don't know what exactly changed because here, okay, the first half of that game is one of the best halves the United States has Absolutely. probably ever played at the World Cup. They they weren't the greatest uh, attacking. They did score a goal, but they only created like a couple of good chances. But Wales legitimately did nothing in the first half. Like legitimately, Wales was useless in the first half. And the big difference was in the first half, the United States midfield basically won every single ball. Any 50-50 ball, the United States midfield won it in the first half. And pretty much any time Wales would even get possession, the United States would take it right off of them or force a bad pass and get the ball back that way. And then in the second half, the United States midfield did not dominate the game. Second half, the United States could not complete a pass. Any, Were they less aggressive? Any, any difficult pass, Mexico almost just scored, any difficult pass they missed. Like, if they any difficult pass they tried to make, they missed. And I think the, the primary change 
the United States made in the second half is that they were the aggressive team, and then they got the goal, and then Wales had to basically turn it up right. and try to score. And in the second half, the United States tried to sort of play, hey, we're going to hit them on the counter, right? They're going right. to have possession, and we're going to hit them counter. on the counter. But they sucked at passing. I mean, they had multiple chances where it's like a three-on-three, and you play a through ball, and you might end mm-hmm. up with a guy on goal or at least a, a pretty good opportunity, and they just never played him. It's like Christian Pulisic and then Brendan Aronson did it a lot too. They'd get the ball in that three-on-three scenario, and they'd just sort of kill it off. Like they didn't, they didn't play the ball forward, and I don't know what that was. Like it was a very, there were a couple of chances where the United States should have ended up with a shot on goal or at least a, a good opportunity, and they just you know, killed the ball and sort of sat around and wanted to play possession, and I don't know why. They did that. So a fascinating thing, and here's the other part of that. They, they take the one nothing lead. They dominate the first half. They pretty much they get dominated in the second half. But it was all survivable, right? Like they survived dominating the second half until they gave away a terrible penalty. And the, the penalty was so bad, Gareth Bale's receiving a pass in the penalty box, but he's like 15 yards away from goal, and his back is to goal. And Walker Zimmer, for some reason, slides right through the back of Gareth Bale, right? If Gareth Bale receives that pass, he's got his back to goal from 15 yards away, right? He might make a great move and end up with getting a shot on goal, but he's still got to right. make a great move. It, what Walker Zimmerman treated that pass as though if Gareth Bale received it, he was going to score. And Walker Zimmerman went in with the idea, I have to stop this pass. When in reality, he could have let Gareth Bale have the pass, and he would have been right up on him and just, hey, don't let him turn and get a good shot away. For some reason, he decided that he had to go through the back of Gareth Bale, and it was a penalty. It was a terrible decision from Walker Zimmerman. And if he doesn't do that, the game might end a little differently, right? But if he doesn't do that, the United States survived a bad half. And they win one nothing, and we're talking about how they have three points. Because if they win yesterday, they're basically through. They're basically through. They're basically into the They're round probably of second to England and basically yeah. through. They're, they're, it's, it's almost a done deal if they beat Wales. But because they drew, now the situation. Actually, there's, a, there's an account called We Global Football that puts out odds. So here's your odds to advance out of our out group. Out of the group? England's at 91%. U.S. is at 47%. Wales is at 39%, and Iran still has a 23% chance to get through. Iran should probably be at zero, although they'll end up beating us somehow and screwing <laughs> us. But basically, if it's simple, which it's not going to be simple. We just saw Saudi Arabia beat Argentina. But if it's simple, England wins all three games, Iran loses all three games, which means Wales and the U.S., the team that will advance, will be the team that just simply has a better goal differential against England against and, and Iran. Yeah. So whoever loses to England by one and beats Iran by like five, five would probably going to go. Right. If you lose to England by four, you're in some trouble. Right. If you only beat Iran by one, you might be in some trouble. So that's what's likely to determine this group. Now, again, it's not always simple. England... If we get a draw against England, certainly hell, we could beat them, but certainly possible. If we get a draw against England, we're in great shape. Right. That'd be phenomenal. If Iran gets a draw against Wales, that, that actually might be better for us than us getting a draw against England. If Iran gets a draw against England or against Wales, against Wales. oh, that'd be phenomenal. Because then we'd go into the last day, we'd only have to beat Iran, and I'm pretty sure we'd be through no matter what. That'd be terrific. So we're still in 
decent shape. Like a 1-1 draw is, is okay. But they, I'll, I'll put it to you this way. If you had told me before the game this is going to end 1-1, I'd have said, eh, okay. The fact that we were up one nothing. And they scored in what the eighty-second minute. We were ten minutes away from winning one nothing. That's what makes it hurt. I say ten minutes. There was nine minutes of stoppage time, so we were actually twenty minutes away from winning. But that's what makes it hurt a little bit there. So we'll see. I oh one other thing. The last substitute that Greg Berhalter made, he brought on Jordan Morris, who was like the last guy to make the roster or something like that. Jordan Morris has been a great MLS player. He's been great for Seattle Sounders. He's played well for the United States in uh, some different tournaments and stuff like that. But he brought on Jordan Morris, and he didn't bring on Gio Reyna. Gio Reyna plays Gio for Reyna, that's, uh, one of our best players. Yes, another, another thing I read yeah. yesterday. Why didn't he bring Gio Reyna on? So after the game, Greg Berhalter gave, like, some vague answers that kind of alluded to Gio Reyna not being 100%. Kind of Wasn't alluded, he hurt? Kind of alluded to Gio Reyna, like, ah, we want to keep him fresh. But then Gio Reyna, I can't remember who it was, but a media member there talked to Gio Reyna. Gio Reyna said, well, I'm 100%. I'm good to right. go. And it was, it was confusing, right? Like, why uh, is he 100%? Is he not? And the media member actually asked Gio Reyna, like, how he felt about not playing. Didn't Gio Reyna said, I'm not going to question what yeah, he does? Yeah, Reyna said, that's Greg's decision. I, that's not on me. Like, gave it, like, the most professional answer I think right. you could ever give for not playing in a World Cup game. So that was weird. Um, I will say if, if Gio Reyna starts and plays all 90 minutes against England, it's probably not the worst decision to sit him out completely. Because here's the other part with Gio Reyna. He's always hurt. This is the guy who, like, every time he pl- every, like, third game he plays, he hurts his hamstring. Like, he's always hurt. So I could understand if Greg Berhalter was like, ah, we're not going to play him against Wales, but he's going to play all 90 against England. Right. I could understand that. But Greg, he, Greg Berhalter just didn't say it. He just didn't like, and maybe he's being vague about it for whatever coach dumb reason that coaches are always vague. But I could understand that reasoning. But when you need a, when it's one one and you need a goal and you bring on Jordan Morris instead of Gio Reyna, you're looking around saying, "What the hell are we doing here?" Right. Still would have brought preferred to bring on Gio Reyna in that scenario because he Jordan Morris came on. We played like ten more minutes or something. Like it wasn't like he came on in the fiftieth minute. Like he barely played. So that was a little strange. But otherwise, it's sort of like a. Not great, not terrible result, and now we uh, – here, here's the most likely scenario. We lose to England, Wales beats Iran, we go we into the final Iran. day, and we have to beat Iran while, they do. while Wales has to lose to England. That's the That's most likely scenario. seems like a likely scenario, though. The problem, though, is that – well, and then it will come down to goal differential. Like, we'll be playing Iran. We, like, here's what could happen. We'll be playing Iran having to win, and we'll be up 2 nothing or something. And Wales will be losing to England, but we'll have to score a third goal to win on goal yeah. difference or something like that. But um, the the issue we might have where we get sort of screwed with scheduling, if England wins, if England beats us, they're through, no matter what happens in the right. last game. England could conceivably rest guys right. for that game against Wales, the final game, which could conceivably screw us because we might play England's best team and Wales might play their second best right. team could hurt us hopefully it doesn't hopefully we get a result against england and we're good to go looking too looking too far ahead who do you, do you remember the group we play the we, 16 yeah if we if we finish second we play the winner of group a who is almost certainly going to be netherlands, netherlands at this point 
Um, it could be Ecuador. It could be Senegal. But it'll almost certainly be Netherlands. It could technically still be Qatar, but that's unlikely. But most likely, if we do get out of our group, we'll play Netherlands. You'd be the second-place team. Yes. Most likely scenario for the U.S. is to play the Netherlands. All right. Coming up next, Ryan Wallace joins the show. This isn't the Alex Ovechkin Power Hour. This is the VGK Update with Ryan Wallace. Follow him on Twitter at RyanHockeyGuy. I'm out. Good morning, Ryan. Hey, How Ryan. are you? I'm good. How are you guys? I'm great. Are you watching the World Cup? No. Oh, come on, Ryan. It's the greatest no. sporting event in the world. What are you doing? No, I'm good. You're disappointed. A ball just hit the camera lens. They took away a goal. <laughs> Mexico scored. They took away a goal because the ball hit the camera lens. Okay. Have you have you seen a puck even – I guess I think I've seen once or twice the puck actually go in that slot for where the cameras are. But, like, you've never seen the camera get broken and bounce on the ice, right? No, that was the first for me last night for sure. Um, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no, I've never seen that before. It's pretty wild. <laughs> Should – should, I, they obviously won the game, but should the Golden Knights actually have been upset about that, or is that just all right? That's dumb and stupid, and we can't complain. Um, I, I mean, it, it is what it is. Like, I don't think you waste too much time worrying about it, especially like once it's done. If if the goal is called back, the goal is called back. I, again, I've never seen it before. I I'm pretty surprised, but like apparently. The hitting of the camera lens is inconsequential in terms of deeming that a, a, a game stoppage event. It was the fact that because it went into the hole where the camera was, that essentially the puck left the playing field, and that's why uh, it was called back. It would be the same thing as the puck hitting the mesh above the above the boards and then coming back, falling back into play. That would be stopped in in you know in a situation. So I, I think you know now you know that. The, the one time it happens in like four thousand five hundred games, like it'll it'll be called back. So we have, we have uh, <laughs> at least a, a precedent to uphold here. Do you take anything significant away from what happened in the third period last night, or was that just a wild period that has no real significance on how they'll play the rest of the season? Um, I mean, it's significant to me in that it's the second time in, in about four or five games that the Golden Knights brought a 2-1 lead into the third period and kind of squandered it right now. Fortunately for them, they were able to get back on the right side of things. They were able to come back after Vancouver went up, but that's mainly because Vancouver is, is just a terrible, terrible defensive team. What I want to see from the Golden Knights moving forward in third periods is if you've got a lead going into the third period, you shut things down, you don't allow a team any life. And for you know a Vancouver team that certainly has the, the high-powered offense, the Golden Knights' defensive structure should have been enough to get a 2-1, 3-1 win, maybe an empty net goal to close things out. So I think that's what the identity should be for the Golden Knights. It's a work in progress still, but to me it is significant when you take a lead into the third period and within six minutes, you're two goals down. That's that's something you've got to clean up. That's something you've got to work through if you're Bruce Cassidy and the coaching staff. Did you take anything from Tyler's belief that Phil Kessel should be benched that he only played 38 seconds in the third period? Um, I I don't think that Phil Kessel should be benched. Like I'm not Tyler. I'm not going to go that far. Um, <laughs> Phil Kessel is a very good offensive player who needs very good offensive players around him. Um, 
to me, what I want to see with the third line for the Golden Knights is you can take your pick of Michael Amadio or you take your pick of Paul Cotter. It doesn't really matter to me at this stage, but I would like to see Paul Cotter with Nick Waugh down the middle when he's healthy and Phil Kessel on the, on the right side because I think Nick Waugh's heightened offensive ability can work with Phil Kessel, but you're going to need someone that can bring him along. You're going to need someone that can play with him at his pace and think the game the way that he does. That's Nick Waugh, not Brett Howden in my mind. Uh, certainly not Michael Amadio down the middle. So I, I think that you've just got to get Nick Waugh healthy and, and then see what you can do if you can build some chemistry between Waugh and Kessel. I know there's some power play time there, but if we're looking for, hey, we got to get offensive guys out there and it's Nick Waugh that we're, we're going to, it makes me believe this. Phil Kessel's role on this team is simply, hey, when one of the top six wingers gets injured, Phil Kessel's going to be the guy that fills in there. Uh, no, I mean, I, I, don't, I don't necessarily think that. Like, number one, Nick Waugh is not just a, you know, I, I don't know that we should be sitting here saying, wow, we're waiting on Nick Waugh. Like, we're talking about a player that's got 11 points in 18 games. Like, that's on a fourth-line role, right? So you have a player that can play the power play in Nick Waugh. You have a player that has more offensive upside than I think a lot of people are giving him credit for, specifically you, Tyler. Um, he had 39 points. 15 goals in 78 games last year when he was up and down the lineup, not playing with anybody consistently. I think you give that player an opportunity to play with Phil Kessel in maybe height minutes or at least more favorable matchups if that's going to be a, a line that you, you kind of shelter a bit and keep, keep starting in the offensive zone. I mean, I, I think that there could be something there. So I, I don't think that saying put Nick Waugh in that slot is necessarily – demonizing anything. I think that he's a good hockey player. He's got more offensive upside. You put him with Bill Kessel, a guy that's been around and scored 400 goals, you could have something there, and then you can actually be a four-line team. So let me ask it to you this way. Nick Waugh comes back, but one of the wingers in the top six gets hurt. Where's Phil Kessel playing? Phil Kessel's probably playing on the third line because you'll, you'll likely move Nick Waugh up into that spot because, again, Nick Waugh's a very, very good hockey player. So... Phil Kessel's role is maybe playing well with Nick Waugh? Phil Kessel's role is to be a good third-line option to provide depth scoring for a team that is expected and wants to be a Stanley Cup contender again. That's what, that's what his role is. Like you, you talk about injuries up front in your top six. Like I don't know that Phil Kessel is the first name that you put up there. Maybe because he's a winger, sure. Maybe because of the hockey IQ, okay. But I think that Nick Watt, to me, is a player that you move up probably first because of familiarity, because he's played with a lot of those players, and he's fit in well in certain spots when he's been pushed up the lineup. So um, I think Phil Kessel's role, ideally, is if everything stays the same, Phil Kessel is somewhere in the ballpark of 12 to 15 goals on a third line, and that's what you are realistically looking for. I don't know that it goes any deeper than that, buddy. I uh, agree with you on Nick Waugh, which strengthens my argument to bench Phil Kessel. Okay, so what's your ideal third line now? Like you, you put Phil Kessel on the bench. What there is doing? not one. Now, I, I, I know the main flaw in my argument is there is not an actual good replacement for Phil Kessel. Like we're talking about Michael Amadio or Brett Howden or Paul Cotter. I, I got that part of it. There's not actually somebody to take out that's better than Phil Kessel to put in there. But like the, the reason I keep asking you about like what's the role of Phil Kessel, if his role is, hey, he's going to be on the third line, we're going to play him with some combination of Nick Waugh, Paul Cotter, Michael Amadio, 
that, that's, he's not going to do anything. He's going to play 38 seconds in the third period, and that's useless to this team. No, I, I don't agree because we haven't seen him with Wah. I think Wah is a good enough center um, and has enough hockey IQ, has enough skill to play with Bill Kessel. I, I truly believe that. But what we've seen to this point is not Nick Wah with Bill Kessel, not that pair. We've seen Brett Howden. And, and listen, I think Brett Howden is a very good fourth-line center for a Golden Knights team that can get by with Brett Howden in that spot. I want to see Nick Wah and Phil Kessel get a couple of games. If it doesn't work from there, then maybe we can have this conversation. Like, maybe we can revisit it if we've got 10 games of Nick Wah, Phil Kessel, and there's still no real return on the Phil Kessel experiment. But right now, to me, the best option is to put your best players in, and Michael Amadio's not a better option right now than Phil Kessel. Paul Cotter is not a better option than Phil Kessel. If you're trying to make the determination of, do I bench Phil Kessel or Michael Amadio or Paul Cotter? The answer is no, not right now. You tweeted uh, last night that you're on the Petrangelo Norris train now. Talk about that. Oh uh, yeah, I mean the point of game, point of game defenseman uh, for Alex Petrangelo, twenty points in twenty games, three goals, seventeen assists. Like everything's just kind of sticking to him right now. Uh, defensively, he's been getting the job done. Like he hasn't really had to to worry too much about. Um, the defensive side of the puck, because from a, from a zone perspective, it's kind of pulled the reins back on having to be active so often. So often, Bruce Cassidy talked about you know trying to be a little bit more conservative and it, it, giving him a little bit more juice maybe in the offensive zone in certain situations. But Petrangelo's been super steady. He's been great defensively, and the numbers are staggering right now as defenseman. He's a point of game. So um, I don't think it'll happen. Like, Eric Carlson right now, I think, is second or third in league scoring. 29 points for Eric Carlson, a resurgence. Though defensively, he's been an absolute train wreck. So with Alex Petrangelo, this, the case strengthens because he's been so productive offensively, but he's also been getting the job done defensively. That's what you want to see in a Norris candidate. And I think right now, early returns are. This is the best Alex Petrangelo you've seen as a, as a Vegas Golden Knight. Who finishes the year with more goals, Alex Petrangelo or William Carrier? Jeez, <laughs> um, that's a really tough question because I don't think Petrangelo is going to score a ton of goals. Like maybe 12, 13 is, is where he tops out. Um, the assists, the points, that's going to be a different story. Uh, Will Carrier, uh, what, what can you say about this already guy? Has six. Right? Like he's, he's already got six. He's an, he's an individual expected goals machine he's an individual <laughs> high danger chance creator like it is phenomenal stuff six goals already for for will carrier um i'm gonna say i'm not I, i'm gonna say will carrier scores double digit this season oh, i, I think we're looking at at more than 10 goals but i think when all is said and done Alex Petrangelo will have one or two goals more than Will Carrier at the end of the year. Oh, man. All right, so here's here's the fun uh, stats to look at here. Carrier's got six goals. Uh, Petrangelo has three, so he's doubled him up on goals. Assists this year, Carrier has three, and Petrangelo has 17. I, I, <laughs> I want to see Carrier end up with more goals than assists this year. That'd be a great stat, too. Yeah, I don't think you have to worry about that. I'm sure it'll happen. Ah. <laughs> All right, Ryan, thanks for arguing thanks, with buddy. me about Phil Castle. We'll talk to you next week. Have a good Thanksgiving. Happy Thanksgiving, All right, buddy. you guys as well. Thank you. 
So there is Ryan Wallace. You can hear him on VGK Insider Show over on Fox Sports Las Vegas. Also, oh, we'll have to ask him next week how many of his own farm animals he ate for Thanksgiving. Oh, yeah, is he going out and taking the – do they have turkeys? So, I don't think he does. My mom does, so that's probably what Your she's Your mom's having. got one at the table. It's going to be fun. All how right. about the turkey cost? Have you tried to buy one? That's probably why she's got one in her backyard. I'm you, I wish I had one in my backyard after what we spent yesterday. You want, sh- you want me to have her ship you one? Yes, after I, what I spent yesterday, the shipping cost is going to be less than if I, what I bought yesterday. All right, Ed's out of here. We wrap up the show with Degenerate Danny next. There's a boot roll by Garoppolo left. Wide open is George Kittle down the left sideline. Kittle will break a tackle. Take it all the way to the end zone. Touchdown! San Francisco! How did George Kittle score there? It's the Press Box with Graney and Bischoff on ESPN Las Vegas. Uh, the end of that call, how did George Kittle score there, is uh, a very good call because there were there was one Cardinal that had a chance to push George Kittle out of bounds, missed the tackle instead, and then there were three more Cardinals that had an opportunity near the goal line and they didn't even touch George Kittle. It was a pretty pathetic defensive display from the Cardinals. They were already down 21. Oh, boy. Uh, so not great for uh, the Cardinals in that game. Ed's gone. We're out here at Parkway Tavern in the district as Mexico and Poland still scoreless in the 95th minute. Uh, there's seven minutes of stoppage time, so just a couple more minutes to see if either of these teams can score. But uh, we've got Degenerate Danny back in the studio Danny, would you like to fill everybody in on uh, what you bet on today? Uh, yeah, so uh, this morning for the Argentina game, I took over three, finished 2-1, so that was a push. Uh, and then I also have over 10 <laughs> for all of the games today, four games, and it looks Not like two good. of them are going to finish 0-0, so that's fantastic. And yeah, then, that's pretty uh, rough for you. I have over three for the France and Australia game. So you need seven goals in France-Australia, unless we get a late one here in Mexico. And you need seven in France-Australia to push. Yeah. I mean, there was eight in the England That's, game, so it's possible. It is, it is possible. That did require Iran scoring twice in that one. So I don't know if you're getting seven. Um, but, yeah, two, two scoreless draws is about the worst thing possible for somebody that bet the over on goals for the entire day. It's not very good, Danny. No, no, it's not. Um, what did you win yesterday? Did you bet on the U.S.? Uh, yes, I took the goal in the first 35 minutes, and they scored in the 36th minute. <laughs> so I lost that one by about 90 seconds. <laughs> oh, that's good. So that's a phenomenal way to lose the bet. I enjoy that. What our listeners missed yesterday? Oh, we were like two minutes away from this. Yesterday, Danny had two bets. He had the Netherlands minus one, and he had the Netherlands over one and a half goals. The Netherlands were up one nothing uh, in stoppage time yesterday, meaning Danny was going to push one bet and lose the other. And in the 99th minute, the Netherlands scored a second goal to win two nothing. The only problem for us is that we went off the air at uh, right before 10, and this goal came at about like 10.02 or something like that. So we missed it by a couple of minutes of Danny yelling and fist-pumping in the studio. Our listeners were robbed yesterday. Uh, it was it was fantastic. That felt. I know how lucky I am to win those bets, but it felt <laughs> phenomenal to get those wins. Oh, what else? are you? Do you bet on college basketball? 
Uh, not too much. I have bet on, I think, one, maybe two UNLV games so far, but nothing too crazy. Because um, you could be betting on sports literally all day if you wanted to. Oh, yes. 100% all day, especially with, like, any European tennis or soccer or golf that's going on. There's uh Yeah, yeah, but I mean, like, real sports. Oh, yeah, Not yeah. like the European championships or something stupid in golf like that. Like, this week is phenomenal, and you're going to lose all your money. No, I'm not going to lose my money. All right, what are you betting on on Thanksgiving Day? Uh, I haven't made those bets yet, so I'm going to see what's, uh, what's available for those football games. And then also, uh, obviously, World Cup is going on, so there's, there's some good options. You do plan to drive to Arizona for Thanksgiving? I was actually just texting my buddy during the break. We're planning to go tomorrow night. <laughs> yeah, I got to I gotta run the Raiders show in the afternoon, and then afterwards we're going to head down there. Oh, Danny, you're the best. All right, so Mexico and Poland, they did finish scoreless. Uh, so your standings in Group C. Saudi Arabia is leading the group with three points after they upset Argentina. Mexico and Poland each have a point, and Argentina is in last. So what that sets up for Mexico is uh, not ideal that Saudi Arabia beat Argentina because that means Saudi Arabia actually might be a legitimate contender to get out of that group. If Saudi Arabia gets a point against uh, Poland or Mexico, Saudi Arabia actually has a really good shot to get out of that group. Poland and Mexico now, they, they kind of have to beat Saudi Arabia and maybe get a point against Argentina to really feel good about it. So that's not ideal. The good thing for the United States yesterday is that England took care of business against Iran, so England should easily win the group, and Iran shouldn't truly be a contender unless we screw up and lose to them. So both Mexico and the U.S., getting a draw against the team they're most likely competing with for second place. It could be a lot worse 